This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Toronto politicians are all in, approving the next step in the continuing focus on caring for the growing number of seniors in the city. You'll hear about the new emotion-centered approach from Toronto's seniors advocate, then dispelling heart health misconceptions that have guided while also misleading patients for years. American cardiologist turned author Dr. Jignesh Shaw will help you and your loved ones navigate the healthcare system, regardless of which side of the border you're on. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canadians are more worried about debt than about savings. A year-end poll by CIBC found almost two-thirds avoided borrowing money in 2019. The same number voiced concerns about the rising costs of household goods going into 2020. For the 10th straight year, debt repayment led the list of worries. The CEO of Montreal-based Reitman's has died at 72. Jeremy Reitman's grandparents founded the women's clothing giant, and it's close to 600 stores across this country. I thought maybe there's some way that I can give them a memory that'll last all their life. An Oregon grandpa found a unique Christmas gift that also allows him to spend more time with his 10 grandchildren. Doug Hayes bought a school bus painting Grandfather Express on the side. His grandchildren go to a small Christian school that does not have any buses. A passionate Blue Bombers football fan got to meet her beloved Grey Cup recently, and the two have one thing in common. Both are 107 years old. After winning the Cup in November, Bombers' Brady Oliveira showed up with a shiny trophy at a senior's home in Winnipeg to surprise longtime fan Ruby Fraser, who let out a scream when she saw the Cup first awarded back in 1909. Hard to say which one of them had a better time. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. An emotion-centered approach with strategies tailored to the needs of residents of city-run long-term care homes was unanimously approved by Toronto City Council just before Christmas. The approach, including more staff providing more direct care, will be tested for 12 months as part of a pilot project at Lakeshore Lodge. Independent experts will review and evaluate the pilot before the approach is rolled out to all 10 city-run facilities. City Councillor Josh Matlow First, explain your role as Toronto Seniors Advocate. When I was elected in uh, 2010 for the first time to Toronto City Council, uh, the very first major initiative that I uh, brought to council uh, was to create a senior strategy. And this comes from, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, my parents getting me to volunteer at uh, seniors' residence when I was when I was younger, and uh, and then having family, uh, you know, age and a grandmother who who went through uh, uh, having dementia and, uh, and and just a number of life experiences that made me very uh, you know aware that more needed to be done uh, to support seniors in our society and 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 you know when when you create a a seniors friendly city. 
Uh, you create an age-friendly city. Uh, when you when you make a, a city that is accessible and caring and respectful, you are doing that for both uh, older uh, residents, uh, uh, but also uh, you know young parents who are pushing a stroller or uh, a middle-aged person in a wheelchair. Uh, so uh, you know it's the right it's the right type of uh, society that I think we want to all live in. But we also uh, you know have a have a, a city that. Um, uh, is is aging uh, very uh, quickly. Uh, for the first time in history, uh, more Torontonians are over the age of 65 than eight, than children aged 15 or under, and that's only going to continue uh, to grow in that direction. So, um, I just I, I champion the senior strategy, and I've continued to co-chair uh, the uh, what we call the senior strategy accountability table with Dr. Samir Sinha. Uh, as we continue to uh, move not only the initial strategy forward, but the second phase of the strategy that we had approved through council, and initiatives such as what we are discussing today, which is to uh, improve the type of care that the city delivers at our long-term care homes. Those are jobs themselves, never mind the city councillor hat you wear. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But it's, you know, but it's, it's, I see it as, both part of my role as a city councillor, because it, my job is to improve the way that the city runs for all of us, and seniors are not only a large demographic in our city, but as I stated earlier, a growing demographic, and one day I'm going to be a senior if I play my cards right, and I'm uh, you know, hopefully going to benefit from the work that I and many others uh, are doing today. Uh, but, you know, but I also... You know, my mom taught me when I was a kid, you know, anywhere you go, leave it better than you found it. And I consider this really meaningful work. And I'm, I am I love it. Like, I just, uh, working with seniors directly, along with caregivers and, and their families, like, it is, um, it's a very, very fulfilling part of what I do. You alluded to it. As for the new emotion-centered, and I use air quotes, emotion-centered yes. approach that's been approved for trial for 12 months at Lakeshore Lodge on the Lakeshore just west of Kipling, how does it differ from other models out there? Well, this what we are piloting is inspired by... Um, uh, uh, models like the butterfly model that uh, that I went to visit in Peel Region, and also uh, other you know homes that we have in Toronto like Westburn Manor that have already uh, taken a more emotion focused uh, approach. And the idea is is very simple. Um, rather than warehouse seniors or you know treat these long term care homes like facilities, and many of them feel like that, really make them homes. Focus focus on the individuals, the people who they are serving and providing a home and care to. So, what the, the, the you know the, the air quote of emotion focus. What that really means at the end of the day is working with the individual on their own care, providing the the the, the support workers more time to spend with those individuals to really address who they are, what their needs are. I've seen models like Butterfly, but other models as well, where they, they uh, you know, rather than just having these white sterile walls, to provide the kind of colors that create a warm, positive, uh, uh, you know, happy environment. Um, uh, I saw one where they, they actually uh, uh, thought of the type, type of doors that people might have uh, had at their homes uh, that they grew up in, 
and then would actually like stencil them onto the doors of their of their of their rooms to create a sense of like you're living at at a place that really does feel like your home rather than having only set times where you're allowed to go and line up like a patient to get food to have muffins uh, sitting around and apples and you know create a create a space that is positive that really thinks about the emotions of the individual person living there rather than treating them like a patient you know and that and and that that can change people's lives and their sense of dignity and worth but most importantly if these are genuinely care homes then they should know the people who they're caring for and right now uh you know psws often struggle to 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 provide the kind of time that's necessary uh, to to really you know, do, do the work that they want to do to really care for the individuals there i'm very hopeful that this pilot will succeed because intuitively uh, we all know that it's right Counselor, when does the pilot begin, and when might this be rolled out to all 10 city-run long-term care homes? I don't know the exact date that uh, this is going to start, and this is now work that Paul Raftus, the general manager of long-term care, uh, and his team, uh, who, who I work with, uh, they're, they're going to be certain, you know, now they've got to implement, right? We set the, the direction they need to go and implement. It'll start soon, though. But, um, uh, you know, if, if I had it my way... Uh, this would have been rolled out in all 10 homes uh, immediately. What I recognize uh, is that, um, you know, even though I'm, I, you know, I'm a revolutionary, I live in a, I live in a world that's more incremental. <laughs> and so uh, there are a lot of funds that have to be dedicated to this, uh, millions of dollars. There are uh, uh, staff, you know, more, more money for staffing. Um, and, you know, to be able to demonstrate to council that we need to roll this out in all the homes, we need to demonstrate in a pilot that this is the right approach. And that's why I'm confident that if we do well here, we will have the support of council, but we need to prove it. Toronto City Councillor and Toronto Seniors Advocate, Josh Matlow. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Heart disease and stroke are leading causes of death and disability. That's often misinterpreted to mean any and all cardiovascular conditions are an imminent threat to life. Not so, according to heart expert turned author Dr. Jignesh Shaw, who's come out with Heart Health, a guide to the tests and treatments you really need. Doctor, what compelled you to write the book? As I've gone through my career over the past 15 years, what I noted was that patients are extremely anxious, worried, and anything wrong with the heart, they feel that they are at death's door. They come to my office being worried and ha- not having slept for a number of days and so on. And over time, I learned how I can give them the right information in a language that they will understand and calm down their anxiety while giving them the right treatment. Uh, And at that point in time, I thought, why not reach out to a wider audience than I can do on a patient-to-patient basis? And so that compelled me to write the book so as to describe these things in simple language that patients understand. And they are relieved most of the time that uh, not all problems with the heart are life-threatening. So it has, I believe, helped the people that have been reading them. And that was really the purpose of me writing the book. So what are some 
heart health myths, if you will. Yes. So one of the things that uh, patients uh, believe, uh, which is not quite true, is that any kind of flip-flopping of the heart is going to give them a heart attack. Or rather, anything wrong with their heart is going to give them a heart attack. A murmur is heard and, oh, I'm going to die early. Um, so th- those are some of the things. But the other thing also uh, that is prevalent in the community is that we can detect everything faster. And by detecting everything faster and sooner, we are going to prevent things from happening. So, for example, the executive stress tests that are done, where people who have no symptoms have been running five miles a day, go ahead and get all their blood work done and stress testing done, think that they will detect something soon enough that will prevent the next heart attack. And that is a myth. The other myth among people who have heart condition and they go to the doctor and get stents put in, in conditions outside of a heart attack, believe that their life was saved because of the stent. What I'm trying to say in the book is if you have a heart attack, in an emergency situation, if you get a stent, it definitely saves your life. Outside of that, it is not a life-saving procedure. And many times, medicines will just work as well as a procedure or surgery will. And we have more and more data accumulating every day to validate this point. So those are the myths that I want to bring up uh, through my book. And surgery uh, or procedures are not always better than medication to deal with an issue, correct? Absolutely. You hit it um, on the nail. So we tend to think that medications are inferior, you keep taking it, and then eventually you have to undergo surgery anyway. Or surgery is 100% fixed, whereas medicine is just kind of carrying you on till you get the surgery. We have known since about 2012, uh, through multiple research studies, that that is just not true. Um, In many, many, many cases, um, the stenting procedure and uh, bypass surgery will do some and will offer some benefit, but you'll have to take medications regardless. It does not eliminate the need for medication. And on many occasions, if you start with the medicine, that stent or bypass surgery may not even be necessary. And the same thing holds true for these arrhythmia-related procedures called ablations. In many cases, they are equivalent and not necessarily superior. The surgery is no not necessarily superior to medication. And on my website, I describe many patients and show you video recordings of many patients who have been carrying on with medication for the past 20 years and have not had to undergo invasive procedures, which, as you know, can cause their own complications. What about those listening now who say, well, the doctor's book is an American's perspective? So would what you've been talking about still apply to those on this side of the border navigating health care here? Yes. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, 
the world is slowly getting americanized what i've observed over the number of years is that somehow the idea that more technology is better has taken over and as they say in the stock market when america sneezes the world catches flu so it is really spreading like wildfire all over even in canada where your physicians are not incentivized to do procedures but we all have what is called a technological imperative all of us believe that technology is better than the low tech such as medicine that's number one number two is that action is better than inaction that we have to always do something because that is going to prolong life and we have known for a number of years that, that that is not necessarily true in many cases so i think that just because the payment structure is different does not mean that patients are protected i was reading a book from great britain where this particular physician talks about the same problems in great britain where there is too much over diagnosis and over treatment because our society believes that we have all these technology that is making us better and that is just not true dr jignesh shah author of heart health a guide to the tests and treatments you really need that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me. Happy New Year, and be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.